Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Bread in the Wilderness podcast from St. Mark's Cathedral here in Salt Lake City. This is another episode of Eat This Book, with apologies to Abby Hoffman. This is where we um, pray the lections for the coming week, and in sort of light Lexio Divina style, um, tease out words, images, phrases, uh, and kind of bat them back and forth. Uh, so we'll open with the uh, Collect for Holy Scriptures and then the Collect pointed for the fifth Sunday in Lent. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the swift and varied changes of this world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pretty great collect. It's good. Bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Our hearts are unruly. We don't know what we want. Uh, the line I most, most standing out to me is, that our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. That is the hope, right? Of, Letting God give us grace, receiving that grace, um, to find true rest. Our restless hearts are restless. <laughs> Our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee. That is where true joys are to be found. Third paragraph of the Confessions. Yep. It's a very Augustinian collect. Do you know that Kierkegaard thing? Purity of heart is the ability to will one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's an excellent book title. <laughs> it's, a, it's yeah, it's a better title than this book. Yes. But um, that much, at least, is true. Not that our other uh, desires are to be cut off, gotten rid of somehow, but um, they are reordered from that central love of God. Yeah, in the old language of uh, moral theology that we talk about disordered wills and affections. Yeah. And it was, and the, the practice of uh, Christian virtue was always to bring Christ to the center, to give ourselves away to the one in whom true joys are to be found. And as a result of that, uh, there comes a, a natural sort of reordering of mm -hmm. our wills and affections. So it's not that we don't eat chocolates anymore, but just we don't think that you know our, our salvation is going to be found with the next cherry cordial or something like that. Yep. So bring into order is not 
beat into submission, right? This is not a, a policing initiative. Or excise. Or... Yeah. It's more about balance. Yes. There's also this, in the collect, there's also this pointing, holding up of, of, of two sort of basic fundamentals, right, of the human experiences. There's, there's that which comes and goes, the swift and very changes of the world, and then that which doesn't come and go, which is the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And when we try to find our happiness in that which comes and goes, it's frustrating. Yeah, our happiness will also come and go. Mm-hmm. And we're contingent upon causes and conditions for relative happiness and um, joy is 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 different than happiness you know you could say that happiness is uh, conditional it's like you know if I, I get the chocolate i'm happy if i don't get the chocolate i'm unhappy um, and joy is that ability to know oneself to there be fixed um, regardless of circumstances so that You know, with Paul, really, he's the great exemplar of this. He's in prisoner in chains. Reviled or welcomed, he, he's always this witness to this uh, deep abiding sense of the, the presence of Christ Jesus that uh, is his true home, right? Mm-hmm. It's our true home. So that. And another rendering of that would be. Uh, to be attentive to the one thing necessary, which we mm-hmm. see, yeah. make a reprise in the gospel. Yeah. That's where our hearts can be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Ezekiel? Yeah. This is for Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is so awesome. We get the Easter Vigil too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fun. I'm pretty sure that if I saw a valley full of lots of bones, very many, very dry, and was asked, can these bones live? I would say, no. <laughs> you don't think he would answer, oh Lord God, you know? I'm admiring uh, Ezekiel's uh, 
prophetic openness to possibility. Uh, I would think I knew. It's interesting that there's like um, this bodily component mm. where the bones come together bone to bone, and mm-hmm. sinew and flesh and skin, and, and yet mm. without the breath, it's still nothing. You still know? dead. Yeah. I always think of that as like. Well, whether or not we're living from the spirit that's been poured into our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, true aliveness as a human being is our union and communion with the living God, is the love of God that's poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. And so absent that connection to the transcendent dimension of human life, um, there's a way in which we are kind of like just flesh and bones walking around, eating, mm-hmm. sleeping, getting in our cars, checking our phones. Zombies. A little bit, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why since 1970 there's been a huge uptick in zombie movies. I, I think part of it is that, like, George Romero, like, the great director of horror movies, uh, put his finger on this, this sort of... Uh, this walking deadness, just sure. like waking sleep that... Alive without really being alive. Uh-huh. Yep. Mm. I mean, Hopkins knew, knew this when he talked about the world's been smeared and bleared with trade. Yeah. And where it's worse, it's, you know, there's, the world is too much with us getting caught up in getting and spending, but this whole sort of post-industrial revolution and this yeah. collapse of everything into like the, the imminent plane is what Charles Taylor calls it. There's, there's, there is no transcendent dimension. Mm-hmm. We're just, there's just the swift and varied changes of this world. Sure. And that's it. Yep. Getting you know, and my, spending. My father was, life's a bitch, then you die. Yep. Remember that bumper? Well, you probably don't, but in the 70s, that was a big, you know, ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. But it was just sort of, profoundly uh, pessimistic and hopeless picture of the world to just put that to chuckle away and have that on your bumper sticker was terrifying to me as a child sure (laughs) all of this gets done Mm. by the Lord I will put my spirit within you and you shall live I am going to open your graves and bring you up, bring you back to the land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the prophecy. And then when we get to Romans, it's like, it's like the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. And then it it becomes, so that's been done, it's finished, it's accomplished. And whether or not we live from that Mm -hmm. dimension of human life is up to us. There's a matter of Mm -hmm. choice, free will, like how are we using this this time? But like the, so that's where I think the New Testament is a little different than like it's not, it's not just, yeah, God's done it and you're alive, yay. Because human freedom actually gives us this terrifying capacity to live in total ignorance of the mm. spirit that's been placed in us. Yeah. God is living in us already, for sure, but very possible for us to spend to reject him. 80 years and miss it. Yeah. Not to be grim. Yeah. Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. 
And still to open to that is also a gift of grace, not something we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Orthodox will always talk about the synergistic nature of this. That there's prevenient grace in our cooperation with grace. It's this is synergy that to life. Yeah. Psalm? Yeah. Psalm one th- are we reading it together then? How about a responsive Bible verse? Yeah. One thirty. Out of the depths have I called you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? There is forgiveness with you, therefore you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, wait for the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all their sins. Praising the Lord for the offering of forgiveness, possibility, new life to us. Uh, the Lord is not merely do- noting what is done amiss. Uh, all of us have fallen short there. Oh Lord, who could stand? Mm. But there is forgiveness with you. Therefore, you shall be feared. That is why we honor you and praise you. And this waiting for the Lord thing, obviously. There's a way in which, uh, well, your favorite, you know, waiting for God, Simone Bay. There's a there's a strange way actually in which, um, like, pure prayer is like being a valley of dry bones. Mm-hmm. Um, this sort of utter receptivity, passivity, um, in which uh, finally uh, God is permitted to act uh, when, well, usually we have to tire ourselves out mm-hmm. so much that we're finally so exhausted that we're pliable enough for God then to, to act in prayer so that um, prayer ceases to be um, our work, but more like God's work done in us. Yeah, right? uh, and that's, that's what hope that is actually hope is like. Yes. As waiting for God, uh, trusting in the Lord's provision, uh, not in our own efforts, uh, not even knowing what we're hoping for, Mm-hmm. Hopeless yet hoping. Uh, hope against hope. Mm-hmm. Or not the portion of Romans we have today, but uh, why do you hope for what is seen? No one does that. You don't hope for something you can imagine, that you have a, a vision of what it would actually be. Uh, you hope. You're, you're waiting for something you, you can't even uh, anticipate couldn't see how it could be done. Uh, don't know how to stitch any dry bones back together. For the impossible. For the impossible. Yeah. And therefore you wait with patience. And that's Christian hope. It is not being happy or being positive. Well, or, I mean, we're this, in this whole world of the prosperity gospel yeah. or... Um, like whatever this, I don't know what you can call it, like this new age stuff, like with the secret and manifestation and all, all the kids are watching TikTok. And so the hope in that world is like you 
you uh, visualize yourself with like I don't know rolling around on a table with millions of dollars and then sure you get it you manifest it yeah right so you are hoping exact for what you can see yeah yeah uh, and yeah important to draw the distinction between that kind of crude it's not even hope it's not it's, I, it's just it's wanting something it's fantasy it's yeah wanting something you don't have yes wanting something other than what is yeah and uh, and yeah so hope has this necessarily apophatic dimension yeah just like you know Gregory of Nyssa would say in any image or idea of God uh, ultimately becomes an idol sure any image yeah that's why like you know pseudo Dionysios Saint Dennis would say to these litanies it was like God is not love <laughs> you know God is not powerful God is not omniscient like mm-hmm. and everybody would sort of shake their head like what is he saying this sounds blasphemous we said this your idea of of love is actually a prison yeah. for this yeah. god of ours yeah um and that's what like true waiting right edges yeah. edges into beyond thoughts words images mm-hmm. It's that, like that dead, dry, stripped place of total surrendered availability, receptivity, where the impossible can mm-hmm. work itself in us. Yeah. It's like the handing over of prayer, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the emotional aspect of it, you don't have to somehow become positive or, you know, get rid of your despair or sadness or grief in order to have hope. I think hope basically is despair handed over to God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not knowing what you're waiting for. Uh, Right, so hope is not knowing. That's what the same thing as saying apophatic dimension or the impossible. But like, or hope is for what is not seen. Like... Mm -hmm. But not knowing is not something that most of us, absent, um, again, the practice of prayer, um, have much acquaintance with. In fact, it's something we avoid at all costs, mm-hmm. right? You know, this in-between liminal space of waiting is not, we, we don't, it doesn't come naturally for consumer culture drive-through. Yeah. Doesn't sell. Doesn't sell. Yeah. Um, but faith and hope, like, what happens if you start thinking faith and hope are actually probably truest when it's open-handed, not knowing, and mm-hmm. rather than the opposite, certainty. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you say, yeah. well, has the church done a very good job of like teaching people that? Mm, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only way forward. It's not just faith in that, that facile idea. It's, it's just delusional. It's in denial of, of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You're ignoring the swift and varied changes. Yeah. Transitoriness of all that stuff. Yeah, and blocking yourself off from... I mean, God comes to us in the swift and varied changes, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very strange I was reading I was doing my Lenten book I'm reading for Lent and I end, ended the chapter with this very same section of Romans that we're about to read last right. night so this is Romans 8 6 to 11 
to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, through the body, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What does it mean to set the mind on flesh or on spirit? Probably something similar to where our hearts are fixed. Well, and you, you said the one thing necessary or the better part or something uh -huh. earlier, right? So, I mean, if we're both Mary and Martha, combinations of the two, active mm. contemplatives or contemplative actives. We get two different ways of being with Jesus mm -hmm. or being with the other. One kind of a, a surrendered, attentive, receptive, paying attention. The other one, actually Martha, like the Greek word is standing over. It's like my kids when I say, you know, bring the bins in from the road after garbage day. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> and I say, oh, I am. <laughs> but like, that, it's, it's, like that's Martha. It's, it's, not, it's not that she's making dinner, that's the problem. And it's not even that she's complaining. I mean, I always say God welcomes your complaints because at least you're talking to God about yeah. your difficulty. You know? Yeah. But it's the standing over yeah. Standing over God and telling God how it should be is the Sure. Like the demand, the requirement. Yeah, it's a kind of hostility. Mm hmm Which is what I think that's the yeah, the hostile to God like you're saying. This classic fall where he sort of sets up a duality and totally undoes it by the end. Uh, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also mm -hmm. through his spirit. So the flesh and spirit start out apparently. Opposite. Opposite. Good, bad. Good and bad. Uh, Light and dark. But flesh actually becomes flesh when it's touched by the spirit, right? That's, yeah. that's what he's getting. Yeah. And that's the same thing. Both that we together. Can, yeah, like we can have bones and sinews and flesh and skin, yeah. but not be alive because there's, we don't have that breath, the ruach spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's this, this bringing together of flesh and spirit, not a duality. Right. But it's kind of insane that, like, I mean, do, do we hear how crazy that is? <laughs> we don't, I don't think. Like, the creator of the universe, through whom all things are made, dwells in you. Dwells in you. <laughs> and that um, unimpeded, uh, limitless freedom of Christ and Christ's relation to the Father and the Spirit, that is the very same thing that is offered to us as sheer gift. Mm 
Um, Divinity itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Athanasius. God became man so that man might become God. It's not like... (laughs) You know, first four centuries of the church, this is what gets said over and over and over again. That's the purpose of our whole life. Divinization. Yes. Participation in God. And without that, um, we're not fully alive, right? Like Irenaeus would say, mm-hmm. glory of God is the human person fully alive. Yeah. And fully alive means giving ourselves to God and God giving our, ourselves back to us. Mm-hmm. So you can see why we have Lazarus, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. Let's do it. It's long. I apologize. I, I can never. This is always too uh, small for me to read properly. But this is uh, the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, in the village of Martha, Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you're going to go there again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him, Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and, set, went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? 
Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Take the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. There's a lot here. It was so good. Uh, just noticing Thomas and Martha both in different ways get characterized as not so faithful, mm-hmm. uh, but they do. Their their genuine uh, love for Jesus and following after Him shines here, right? Let us also go that we may die with Him. Right. Yeah. All the disciples think he's totally crazy to be going back there, but we'll go with you. We won't leave you. And that's Thomas. And Martha's trust in the resurrection and ability to recognize Jesus in front of her, saying, I, I am, right? Calling back to the great I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God. This idea of coming into the world is always interesting to me, too. It's like always arriving. Mm-hmm. There's a passing by at the beginning. The call of Andrew. I apologize for there's people yelling in the background. Um, if you could see me, I, my eye is twitching like uh, Inspector Dreyfus mm-hmm. in uh, the Pink Panther movies. We've not yet acquired the eggshell foam (laughs) for our (laughs) recording studio here. Cluso! But anyway, Jesus passing by in the the call of Andrew. Rabbi, where are you staying? Come and see. And then this coming into the world. um, Like you were saying, like, what comes and goes, the swift and varied changes can in one way speak about all that is uh, merely passing mm-hmm. and putting our hope in that which is ultimately dust rather than in God. But there's also this way that um, the swift and varied chance changes of the world are like the Christ coming to us, mm-hmm. always slipping in. Incarnate, in flesh. Always arriving. Yeah. Always beckoning, always calling, uncontainable. Um, slips out of every conceptual prison or all of our attempts to uh, possess. And yeah. Like bursting out of the tomb, like with bandages on, like that kind of deal. Uh huh. <laughs> like that? Yeah. 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 Unbound. Like, I, I've always heard that, like, Jesus says, yeah, unbind Lazarus, but, like, can I unbind Christ? Yeah. Because I've got him wrapped up in all these wonderful oh, yeah. shrouds. How he is, where yeah. he is, when he is, how he's supposed to be, how he's not supposed to be. The whole list Dennis is going against, Yes, right? yeah, yeah. God is this, God is that. I yeah, yeah. have the whole, wrote it down. Right. Yeah. Um, and there is that, like, let him go. Let Christ be Christ. Yeah. In you, right? Like that. 
I was hearing that this time with the echo of Exodus. Uh, let my people go. <laughs> you know, there's what is the the Pharaoh here uh, that keeps us bound? Well, it's like every ten years, you know, there's always like somebody makes, you know, the New York Times bestseller list with like Jesus was actually a fill in the blank. You know, Prophet, you know, or he went to Tibet and learned meditation or something on a mountain, you know, when between the ages of you know eight and thirty. That's what he was actually. Doing. That's what he, the yeah. secret history revealed. You know, and so we always pin it down. Um, he was really just a prophet, or he's really a social revolutionary, or really he's a temple observant Jew who thought filling. We go on and on and on. Every ten years, there's some different yeah. one that makes somebody rich and they get to retire, um, but. They retire, unfortunately, with the Christ who's wrapped up in... Grave cloth. Yes. Yeah. Um, and because it's, that's a, we don't want the nakedness of that uh, undefended encounter, right? Mm -hmm. We always want to wrap ourselves or him in something that, you know, it, mm -hmm. it stinks. That encounter could be t too intimate, it's too smelly. You know, I haven't put my perfume on or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, that intimacy of like actual contact is what we always want to keep at arm's length, mm -hmm. you know. And Yeah. It's what Mary's so good at not doing. So good. Anointing the Lord with perfume. Mm -hmm. Saying, No, he stinks, we can't do this. <laughs> uh, both of those sensitive, right? To yeah. that. To mention, oh. when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet. That's always where Mary is, yeah. kneeling at Jesus' feet. Oh. The one thing necessary, even, especially, in grief, when your brother is dying. You don't know what's, what's happening, you don't know what's up, your whole world is unmade by that loss. Decreated, as uh, Simone Weil would say. Yeah, it's a terrifying word. But, but that's what um, that's what um, the veneration of the cross is on Good Friday. Yeah. Right. Like, sure, it can be a a polite and genteel thing where you go up and uh, curtsy, you know, with your loafers and your blue blazer and your Brooks Brothers shirt and your silk tie and all that. A little nod. Or it can be whatever you've been carrying those 40 days poured out mm -hmm. at the foot of the cross. Um, yeah. You know, it's not, a, it's not, it's not like um, the cowboys in the, in the, like Deadwood, they walk by and the, woman walks down past the saloon, they tip their ma'am, afternoon ma'am, and tip their hat. Mm -hmm. Like but there's there's a way in which, you know, prim proper Episcopalians, when it's time to venerate the cross, is ma'am, <laughs> just tip tip the cap, sir, yeah. you know, and off you go. Yeah. But Mary shows us a different like yeah. different way to be. Uh, in kneeling where Jesus is and letting How that, she is. How she is. Yeah. And letting that grief be the offering. Mm -hmm. In the when Mary anoints Jesus with perfume, um, there's the sense that she's one of the few who understands that he's about to die. Mm -hmm. um, interesting to bring that to now this experience of her brother dying mm. I don't know I guess it's still early in John also this like sort of profound thing like in terms of discipleship um, going where Jesus was that's what Mary does like that's what you're called to do in baptism Yep. You go where Jesus is, right? Mm -hmm. 
And that's usually in, in quite difficult situations where people are rather unhinged. What to hope for is not immediately mm -hmm. seen. <laughs> so again, yeah. intimacy and smelly stuff, yeah. taking spices to the tomb. Uh -huh. I don't know what to look for. I don't know where to go. This is the closest thing I have right now. So I'll, I know what I can do is be there, yeah. be with. Yeah. I think it's also, I mean, I think I've preached this so many, many times, but the, the thing that's always interesting too is that like, presumably, Jesus could unbind him himself, mm -hmm. you know? He says to them, the gathered crowd, yeah. the mourners. Yeah, so unbind him, so there's this like community there's this call to the community that the health of the sick one, the dead one, the asleep one, uh, it requires the entire community to unbind him, to unshackle mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just this magical sort of from on high. That like it contrasts quite honestly with the dry bones thing. Yeah. Like it's not just God, uh, Jesus is calling the people to say, participate with yeah. me in this work of healing. Yeah. That, um, you know, you unbind, unbind him with me. Mm -hmm. You know, or in me, by me, whatever, however you want to yeah. say it. Um, so it's not this, you know, out of, the theological term, monergistic, like yeah. one way, great. Like this is a, this, this sort of cooperative action between presence of Christ and his listen heeding his call and the people in the community unbinding the person it's like kind of more of a synergistic yeah kind of picture yeah calling for a response so we're all called into that same mm -hmm. healing work yeah yeah to be loved for other people yeah. that calls forth the dead yeah. out of their graves yeah. yeah and I guess I guess Ezekiel's the that he's the community in that piece like yeah. the Lord's saying you know prophesy to the it's through this yeah. human yeah, that makes sense. Uh, lots of the Lazaruses around us are in the tombs because we bound them up, yeah. right? Well, yeah. Uh, and <clears throat> that so there's that reading too. Uh, unbind and let them go. Um, God calls people to do life even under the yoke of whatever form of oppression, degradation, mm -hmm. um, casting out they've experienced. But the cause is for the community to uh, repent and uh, be different, welcome this one who is dead. Yeah, I mean, if you're serving a 30-year sentence for possession of marijuana or something, right? Like the sort yeah. of prison reform and all this, I mean... We had better unbind him. Right, yeah. yeah. But yeah, like the, the binding can also, that can point to um, systemic racism, it can point to structural inequality, mm -hmm. right? Like all these, mm -hmm. like is, is the... Where's the queer theology book on this story? Lazarus, come out! <laughs> and everyone else, unbind him, let him go! Huh. There's a, a flourishing and uncovering and... I mean, you could take it very literally as a coming out story. <laughs> I've done that with people before. Huh. Yeah. And the unbinding in this is letting that person be who they are rather than covering them over, tying oh. them down. Yeah. Yeah.
been previewing this for weeks, but this is where they say the same words that Jesus yeah. said to the disciples when they were called, come and see. That uh, the woman at the well goes and says to all her neighbors, having received living water, come and see. And here, as they're mourning, Jesus comes to them, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Come and see our place of great pain, our loss. It says call and call response, like we call. Mm -hmm. He calls. Mm -hmm. And so it's a listening and responsive people. It's the same thing that we always talk about every Saturday night in Lexio Divina. We begin as a listening people, yeah. waiting, like more than watchmen for the morning, waiting, mm -hmm. receiving. Uh, yeah. And then we reflect, obviously. But then there's this part in Lexia where the, there's a, there's a, the oratio is the response. Mm -hmm. and we respond with our lips, but we also respond with our lives. Yeah. Right? And Lord, so, come and see. Yes. Yeah. So it's like this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we'll do one more uh, next week for Palm Sunday. And then I think uh, we're going to do a Holy Week in a, in a Nutshell podcast where we talk. With Palm Sunday, I, oh, I think. Palm Sunday? Yeah. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> uh, but looking toward uh, all the beautiful liturgies of Holy Week and tracing the, the arc yeah. of that journey to Easter. And... Uh, uh, reminder slash invitation uh, exhortation to uh, participate in as many of the Holy Week liturgies as possible that, uh, because each one shows us a, a different aspect of who and how uh, this wondrous God of ours is uh, with us for us um, and we really only understand um, Easter you know, through the light of everything that's come before, the yeah. welcome into Jerusalem, the feeding and the foot washing, the dereliction of Good Friday, Holy Saturday. Yep. It will change your life. So <laughs> see you there. Mm -hmm. All right, take care. <laughs>